0: was Dido with Kendrick Lamar. Let us move on. It's 8 after 4. You are on in your face on 3CR with James. and MV behind the panel. Well, Martin Gladman is a counselor at Thorn Harbour Health and is facilitating a support group for trans and gender diverse people in the Bendigo and Loddon Mallee regions. Welcome, Martin. Welcome to 3CR. Thank you very much,
1: James.
0: Martin, what led Thorn Harbour Health to identify there was a strong need for a trans support group in the Loddon Mallee and Bendigo regions?
1: Sure. So it didn't actually come from us, James. It, we were we were approached by um, there's a lady called Madeline Fernbach who's been running uh, two two trans groups up and up in um, Ballarat, and she contacted us because she had a number of um, people who were attending her group, and and they were looking for something that was a bit closer to home, really, and and she passed on to people's emails and I met with them and we kind of sat down and, and you know, nutted out a bit of an idea of, of what would be supportive for the community down here.
0: And what are some of the particular issues that people in, in Bendigo and Lod and Mallee who are trans or gender diverse are actually talking about? Are there any issues specific to regional areas that keep coming up, for example?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, Look, isolation can happen anywhere. You, you can be isolated in amongst hundreds of people. Particularly in, in country areas, it's you know, there's there's can be geographical distance which can, you know, further exasperate that, that isolation. And also just not having, you know, necessarily strong communities of people who you can connect into or certain areas which one can connect into. There's or accessing information as well and there's there's sort of multiple things that yeah, that I'm kind of seeing in this space, it's very, very different from working, say, in a city space.
0: Do you find that you're really focused in the group on building resilience? And if so, what are some of the activities that you do in the group to build resilience?
1: Yeah, sure. So, so James, I've only had two, two sessions thus far. <laughs> um, and one one of the feedbacks that, that came back to me from from the groups is that, you know, they really loved Madeline's groups, but one is more of a social group, so that, that's run by run by um, the people who attend the group predominantly. And then there's more of a structured, clinical, psychological-based based group. And so what we're trialing down here is, is, a, is a bit of a balance and a mixture between, between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're doing is where it's, it's more facilitated discussion-based, so someone might come into the room and, and share about something that you know, that's happened to them during the day, and then sort of as a group, we, we work through that together. So, for example, in, in one of the groups, you know, misgendering came up and someone had an experience during the day and that had handled them, like, in, in their words, they, they were very proud of the way that they had handled themselves and, and taken care of themselves and nurtured themselves through it and it didn't affect them as much, as, say, as it would have had two years ago. So we started to look at why why is that? Like, what is it that's, that's different now? And, you know, then as a group we can start to then, then unpack and, and normalise and understand and... Um, you know, sort of build a deeper connection with, you know, within the group, within each person, within
0: themselves. So it sounds like you're really using a strengths-based approach with the group to harness those strengths to to be able to move on from issues that once would have been problematic and a hindrance.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, in in my therapeutic practice, like what I've seen in that people are able to achieve and you know, with with the right support and 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 you know the right people around them, confirming them, like incredible strengths to come over some incredible traumas, and it's it's just sort of learning to awaken that that within oneself. And with, as I said, with with correct support and you know not overlooking um, the fact that that you know we live in a troublesome world, and there's 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 a lot of difficulties, but sort of learning how to tap into that sort of inner strength and. And, and learning to live that as much as we can on a day-to-day basis.
0: So how do you in a group setting manage issues around trauma that might come up around issues to do with isolation or transphobia? How do you manage that?
1: Yeah, sure. So it's it's always preempting beforehand as well. So before any group member comes into the group, we we have what's called an initial assessment. part of our counselling process down here and that's where we just sit down and I make sure that the person has supports outside of the group as well that they are linked in, they've got people that they trust that if something does come up in the group that, that might trigger them or, or um, you know makes them feel uncomfortable that you know for whatever reason they've got avenues outside of that space as well so they're not you know just fully wholly relying on on the group. Um, and then in that it's we've set rules in a group we all sat down as, as a group and, and talked about how it is we can respond to these things. If we are feeling a bit triggered or if something's, you know, a bit close to home, you know, what we can do within the group, but also what can we do outside of the group and, you know, making sure that they, you know, have have tools that they can utilise for themselves, but also that they feel comfortable enough to contact me and, um, you know, the sessions in between, you know, the group sessions are on offer, like more than welcome to drop in and, you know, make a time and, and talk about anything or, yeah, or making sure they're connecting with their other supports as well.
0: Martin, to what extent is an ongoing peer support and social group run by local trans and gender diverse people in the Bendigo and Lodham Valley regions a goal once this group ends in September?
1: Yeah, look, I'd love that. Like, that 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 would be amazing. At the moment, this group, this particular group, didn't feel confident enough to do that for themselves right away. They wanted to start out with, with it being facilitated. And then that that's kind of the plan, is that ultimately it'll get to a point where I'm not needed. And that's what happened with, with Madeline in, in Ballarat. Uh, it became, became clear that the group was, was, you know, able to sort of move forward without a facilitator. Um, and, yeah, so we're really just seeing, James, it, it's a trial. It's the first one we've done up here and, and just getting a feel of, of, of where it goes. And, you know, each group where we're building numbers and, and you know, so that that always changes things too. So we'll just see what happens. But absolutely, like, if if that's the goal, if someone came to me and they said, I want to run, you know, my own group, I'd be like, cool, what can we do? What do you need? Do you, you know, do you need a space? Like, like what, what can we do to support that?
0: To what extent is Thorn Harbour Health working with local health service providers in the Bendigo region to better support trans and gender diverse people?
1: Yeah, so a part of our, like, one of our main... Um, goals you could say or our bread and butter of the work up here is, is to connect in with the other agencies and, and, and support them to be able to better support not just the trans and gender diverse community but more broadly the LGBTIQA plus community up here and you know, that looks like many things like we, we have a partnership with, with Bendigo Community Health with our pronto clinic um, where we're working with Headspace quite closely on, on various things and we're doing training across Bendigo Health so we, we run, um, we have a, a local trans gentleman who comes and joins me and, and we offer inclusive practice training. And, you know, we've been up to, all the way up to Swan Hill, down to Kyneton and Castle Main Like, we're, we're constantly connecting in with and, and doing what we can to, you know, upskill and, and develop the awareness of, of those other community agencies in the area so then they can better
0: support the community. So it sounds like you're really putting the structures in place so trans and gender diverse people in Bendigo and Lodden Mallee can actually access multidisciplinary teams.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like to to the best of our abilities, absolutely. Um, where and there's always more to be done and there's, you know, there's there's only two of us here at the moment. So, you know, we're always open to whenever anyone comes to me and, and says you know this is an area which needs addressed we go okay great let's
0: let's go for it so martin where are you based are you based in the bendigo area at the moment and 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 or are you based in melbourne and traveling to bendigo like you how are you structured
1: yeah sure so me personally i live in bendigo so i work full-time in bendigo so thorn harbour country uh we have like a community hub here.
0: Wow! We
1: have a beautiful old building. Um, it, it's amazing. There was the Country Awareness Network was still was first in Bendigo until until that came to its end, and then that's when what was back stepped in, and now Thorn Harbour's here, and that that space we're hoping to renovate soon, and you know make more into a like a regional pride centre, you could say, which would offer you know a beautiful space for for the community to access and utilise um, in various capacities.
0: How exciting. So Thorn Harbor Health, formerly the Victorian AIDS Council Gay Men's Health Center, now has branches in, in regional Victoria. That's wonderful. Where else are you Absolutely. based? Is it just Bendigo? Or are there are At there moment bases it's in... just Yeah?
1: Sorry, James, you go. You no, no, to no I was to just gonna say, speak.
0: is it just Bendigo <laughs> or have you moved into other areas as well?
1: At the moment it's just Bendigo, but we our, our brief, you could say, is to cover all of the Lodden Valley and, and more broadly as much as we can represent you know, both regional
0: and rural experiences. Because it's a big area, isn't it? I mean, okay. as you said before, you know, Lodden Valley extends all the way to Swan Hill and you've got so many little communities as well, where of course these gender diverse people, but that isolation and, and transphobia I imagine is quite embedded.
1: Absolutely, and that's why we, you know, we offer online um, counselling and telephone counselling and also peer support and you know, we're, we're always doing our best to, to work with agencies if for example, we've got a community forum coming up here in Bendico and in Castle, Maine. And we're working with various community agencies to provide transport, so then people are able to access those. Um, but yeah, definitely for, for two people to cover a very large area, um, yeah, we're, we're doing what we can.
0: And what does your colleague do? Like, what's their focus?
1: Yeah, so so Damien, he runs the, he's the program manager, yeah, program coordinator. Um, so Damien's here three days a week and then my role is, he, so he looks after the, the, the functionality of, of things and, and the public relations and um, various other things that, that come along with that and you know, where my, my work is more the service delivery so there's the counselling, there's the peer testing and then there's health promotion sort of community development and community engagement work. <laughs>
0: And what's queer life like in Bendigo? Like, I imagine there's quite a, a thriving queer community there, but perhaps it's a little underground compared to Melbourne. Like, tell us about the local LGBTIQ community.
1: Uh, I was deeply touched when when I came back to this area to see, like, how, how active um, the community is. Like, there's, there's quite a strong... Um, there is quite there's quite a few strong community leaders here who, who've set up some some incredible things. You know, there's a Fab CV Queer Night that happens. You know, I think that's once a month. There's a queer coffee group. There's you know various different dinners. We have the Bendigo Queer Film Festival crew up here as well. It's it's it's. Very different from my time in, in, in Melbourne where it seemed to be like because there were more people, you could be sectioned off in, into your different groups and there would be enough people within those different groups um, to to build a group, per se, where because the numbers are a little bit limited here, it's like everyone comes together and, and supports each other a bit more a bit more broadly. Um, so I really enjoy, enjoy that mix and that diversity and it's been really, really awesome to see like, yeah, it's very strong here in here in Bendigo.
0: And what about cultural diversity? Like Bendigo has a reputation for being a community that's very white. Um, yeah. What's it like for queer people from a culturally diverse background? Is that an area that perhaps you're focusing on a bit?
1: Yeah. So look, there's where it is true. Absolutely, the the Greater Bendigo region is is definitely uh, very gentrified when when it comes to you know sort of white living. But that's not to say that we don't have Various different cultures and coloured people mm. within the community, and a long history
0: um, of that, of course, with the local Chinese population as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and it's something that that came onto to my radar when I first started working here, particularly when I was working in the P testing clinic, because we, you know, I get to see all different types of people coming coming through, and you know, of, of various educations around their sexuality and their their sexual health and different experiences and cultural beliefs and practices. And so it's definitely on, definitely on our agenda as
0: something that we're looking to. Fantastic. Martin Gladman, best of luck with the Bendigo Trans Support Group. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. And MV's got a bit of a question for you. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. No, Martin, I just want to just discuss the details. So it's my understanding that the, these groups will run excuse me, every Tuesday night until September the 4th, and how can people get into contact with you if they want to attend one of these sessions?
1: Yeah, of course. So the best thing to do would be to jump onto the Thorn Harbour website um, or or Thorn Harbour Country, and there's our major email address there and our 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 phone number as well. Otherwise, uh, the Facebook page is a really good way of getting in touch with us. Uh, yeah, if someone just jumps on there, sends through a message. That'll make its way to me, um, either directly or just through Damien. And then we can, um, then we just organise a time for me to meet up with them firsthand. We can just check in and let them know what the group's about. And then yeah, we we support them to come and come and join the group.
0: Awesome, Martin Gleman. Thank you so much, and best of luck with the group. Love your work.
1: Thanks, Martin. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye.
0: You're listening to
2: 3CR Radio.
0: From Queensland, I heart Hiroshima with surgery. We also had chicks on speed in there with Stella out. It's right on a quarter to five. You are on In Your Face on 3CR with James and MV. Well, Zero Scar is a tattoo artist based at Crucible Tattoo here in Melbourne, and they join us on the line to talk about creating safe spaces for queer and trans folks in tattoo parlours. Welcome, Zero. Welcome to 3CR.
2: Thank you. How
0: are you? I'm well. Let's start, though, with a bit about you. How did you become a tattoo artist?
2: Uh, how did I become a tattoo artist? Well, I was a body piercer right. uh, for a good good couple of years, uh, a while ago, probably about 12, 14 years ago now. That industry was dying out. I was working in tattoo studios, and I kind of just fell in love with that whole process there and went on my journey about uh, taking myself to uni, getting a pretty good folio together, and... Um, growing uh, apprenticeship, and then it's just kind of snowballed from there. I've been doing it about five and a half years now. So, yeah.
0: Wow. So how long is a tattoo design apprenticeship? How long does it go for?
2: It's on an individual basis. Generally, most people kind of hang around at a studio for about two years and put in the hard yards there and then kind of fly from the nest after that. Some uh, can go for longer than that. Some people can um, complete them you know, even sooner. There's, n- there's no uh, courses that you do. In Australia, it's uh, it's just putting their hard yards at a shop, really. And then when you're ready to go, your mentor lets you go.
0: Zero, to what extent has gender identity influenced your tattoo design style?
2: Well, look, to be honest, I think I would prefer it if it influenced a bit more. I think I kind of closed off a lot of my gender identity coming through my design because of my apprenticeship. I did my apprenticeship in a small rural village where I had to... I moved from Melbourne to a rural village where I had to live stealth. <laughs> so I couldn't really advertise any of my prints. Uh, I think it would have given away, it would have been a blatant kind of you know, flag that... Um, I was different, and I was concerned for my safety, so I had to kind of keep it in. So, yeah, at the moment, um, I don't tend to focus them around gender unless someone specifically asks for a design that's potentially along those lines.
0: So what are some of the main issues around safety specific to trans and queer folks when getting tattoos?
2: Oh, I would say, look, we work in an industry where there's... Basically, the only thing you really need to do is um, abide to the council to get the space so you just need the the premises to be ticked off and then it's just you kind of go for it as you know a lot of studios have some pretty uh intense people working in them Uh, it's very masculinized it runs off a pretty big patriarchal boys club system in australia and i think there's many ways that that needs to be changed i think it was you know, the stuff that people like myself and my peers run into, uh, it's a presence in that, the way that you hold for your client and their body. Basically, the allowance, I think, to indulge in an emotional space around their body in front of you. Um, I think a lot of tattoos are really intimidating. Allow them to ask questions and the language and the empathy that we show towards one another when we're um, working out a piece for someone is really important. And I think a lot of people haven't experienced that in other spaces. So... Yeah.
0: So the safety for trans and queer folks really is beyond the physical kind of layout uh, and health and safety practices within the tattoo parlour. It's also about the emotional safety as well.
2: Definitely, definitely. Uh, is
0: I it hard work creating that?
2: Yeah, I mean, holding space for people in a professional setting, um, especially when someone is experiencing level of pain, um, which majority of people do when they're getting tattooed is actually quite a, a, a draining process for us, but it's so rewarding that a lot of us, you know, we continue to to be those people to kind of help people through their process of reclaiming parts of their bodies. So yeah, and like also just allowing people to be emotional in those spaces, you know, we're kind of uh, taking it from that masculine, of centered, and then you know, kind of bringing off, bringing in some softness and you know almost feminising it in a way, taking it away from the boys' club, so, yeah.
0: There's some real activism I'm sensing in relation to your work in terms of the actual industry, that you're offering an alternative to that boys' club and and transcending some of those kind of patriarchal, masculine practices that are alienating for for so many people, potentially, and often.
2: Yeah, uh, completely. It's something I've always wanted to do. It's something I've always witnessed that has been lacking for, like, over a decade that I've been in in shops. And I... But I also want to... I do know that there have been artists around Australia uh, that have, in their own individual way, really tried to... And created safe spaces prior to the studio being open. And um, so I just want to pay homage to them. But it's, it's definitely something that, um, you know... To us, uh, you know, uh, as a a studio full of queer people, I guess we understand what we would like when we want to go somewhere and get tattooed and deal with our bodies and be vulnerable. So it's kind of, it can come quite easily to us with the way that we approach, you know, the people that that approach us to get tattooed by us. So,
0: yeah. What are some of the issues for trans folks who are post-operative that are maybe having tattoos done?
2: As opposed to pre-op, uh, I would say that
0: yeah. issues perhaps around scarring and 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 working yeah, with around that.
2: scarring, the age of scarring, how settled it is, um, depending on the person's skin type, um, if they load a lot, um, yeah, it is good to wait at least six months to a year, I believe, until a scar is like really kind of you know settled down, mostly. Um, and also to deal with and understand that even around that area, not exactly just where the scar tissue is, that there's generally a lot of uh, nerve redistribution that can be a little bit haywire and a little bit all over the place um, and that tattering around those spots can be quite an endurance um, for people. <laughs> um, and also just to witness your body and know that sometimes the people who I've tattooed, um, trans people who are post-op, um have generally got a lot of uh there's a lot more of a mental process that goes on during that time of getting tattooed not necessarily a painful thing but you know there's a lot of um just releasing that can go on in those moments so they're pretty special um so yeah that's that's one thing I've definitely noticed is just kind of letting go a lot of that kind of built up trauma that could be locked in those spaces for people
0: and when people are letting that go, that must be an incredible moment for you to share with them. And it sounds like that's a great, you know, basis for building a bond. You must get really bonded to your clients and they must get bonded to um, you.
2: Yeah, totally, completely. Um, and, yeah, it is it's it is really special um, to go through that kind of little inferno of change with them. Um, yeah, it's it's something that, you know, keeps you kind of, like, really inspired about being able to do what you do, really. Yeah, it's really special.
0: Fantastic. Zero Scar, thank you for chatting with me. I know MV wants to say something before you go. Hey, hey, Zero. Okay. I know that tomorrow at um, Crucible you have a Flash Day, and can you just tell us a little bit about what the Flash Day is? Because I know you're raising funds for Wombat, which is an LGBTI service. Housing service. Yeah. Housing service um, in the... Kensington, North Melbourne areas. Just, just enlighten us a little bit on there and, and how people can get in touch with the the, the, the studio and, and get work done.
2: Sure. So, well, the studio itself is located in Kensington on Racecourse Road. It's called Crucible Tattoo Co. So it's queer-owned and queer-run, and um, all of the artists who work in the studio are queer identifying. We've got, yeah, gay, uh, queer, trans, non-binary crew. So, um Generally, the flash days though they're different. So all of us artists have drawn up a sheet. Apart from Brody Clift, who's in Alice at the moment. Hi, Brody. Um, We where you kind of come and we open the door, then it's first in, first serve. So all of the fifty percent, sorry, the proceeds of the entire day is going to uh the wombat organization they're an organization that we've found that offer um support to homeless lgbtqi folk and generally we raise try to raise funds for um yeah smaller organizations or uh yeah queer identifying crew who need a bit of help with financially we've run some others before um, so, yeah, if you want to come down, it starts at 11 tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be a really fun day. Um, yeah, it's just I think the sun's going to be out as well, which is lovely. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Good stuff. Well, Zero Scar, thanks heaps for joining us on 3CR and best of luck tomorrow.
2: No worries. Thanks for having me. Great thanks, Bye.
0: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.